Man, here we are again with another episode of the Clinic All NBA podcast. I'm feeling good. I'm living good. I'm Rosa Panta. My name is- and of course, I've got the two hooligans with me once again. I've got JJ. JJ, what's up, man? My name is. Cue the jaw roll soundbite. Hala, hala. Hala, hala. And then I, of course, have John. John, what's good, dude? My name is. Mom Spaghetti. I'm good, man. <laughs> Doing well. Nice. I wanted to talk to you guys about, I guess, a little bit about the Nets Bucks, sort of. Some of the other, like, extracurricular stuff is a little more interesting than the actual game. I think we could all agree about that. Um, just straight up, is this series pretty much over? John, what do you think? I think so. I don't know if the Bucks have enough firepower to handle the Nets. Oh. And James Harden isn't even playing, and they got waxed by 35 points in Game 2. I think the Bucks will win a game or two, but one game... Two at most, but yeah, the Nets have this in the bag, in my opinion. True. Yeah, Jay, what do you think? They can't have Balake going eighteen and fourteen, re re uh, <laughs> reenacting his slam dunk contest. You want to go to war, Balake? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, um, the Bucks have serious problems, and it's crazy that the Nets are actually shooting a 50-40-90 as a team. For the playoffs, absolutely unbelievable efficiency. But what do you guys think of the Nets using a timer clock on the Jumbotron during Giannis's free throws? Like, have you guys seen this, JJ? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I would never think it would be an issue when someone would shoot free throws. I know, like, back in high school when we played games, there was a timer. Yeah. But no one even paid attention to it. Yes, sir. But I guess with, you know, how the Greek freak shoots free throws, they started to add a timer, which I think is genius. Get get in his head, right? Do whatever it takes. True. Yeah, John, what do you think? I think Giannis needs to stop taking so long to shoot free throws. It's He has time to make a sandwich. Talk to call his mom. <laughs> he, has, he has time to do a lot of things. So I think that that shouldn't even be an issue. I mean, he takes ten. He takes longer than ten seconds. The reason why they put that is because he was taking longer than ten seconds, and they called a violation, which is I don't think I've ever seen that before. So he just needs to work on a different f- routine, in my opinion. But I don't. They banned it, but I honestly, to me, it's no harm, no foul. They should have. I think they should have kept it as long as it's not some crazy loud noise ticker that's going on then to me i don't see an issue but it is what it is yeah yeah i mean that timer is absolutely genius i mean you hear the crowd like counting down with the timer you know that's just a cue for the crowd to get involved and if it was me like i love music dude i'm all about rhythm like we're listening to music right now we're vibing with music right now as we talk like on the podcast yeah. and if something was like throwing me off rhythm like that, it would really get into my head. So I think it's like a genius move by the Nets to use a timer clock yes, on sir. the Jumbotron. And now here's the big story from the Nets. Okay. KD versus Jay Williams. Have you guys heard this story, John? You wanna know something? Oh, I've heard it. Dude. So KD. So this is kind of like the the shortened version, the 
the Cliff Notes version of what's going on, but Jay Williams was basically on wax. He said he said on TV that he was at a party with KD, and KD told Jay Williams, hey, you gotta stop that man. Don't ever compare me to Giannis. What? And that video went viral. And then KD was all up on the comments, and he wrote, he wrote here, I'm going to try to keep this PG. <laughs> this is a lie. Jay Williams could never speak for me ever. Keep me out of that corny blank talk what? about who's better and legacy and all that dumb stuff. What? I don't even talk like that. JJ, what do you think about this exchange? Do you think it's true? Etc. Etc. I think there's some truth to it, but I also think Jay Williams committed the ultimate sin within a fraternity or brotherhood, which is spilling the beans, and you did it on a television show. I mean, how many times have you two, you know, when we party together and you guys have had too many extracurriculars in your system and you're like, what? you know, my fiance, I just... Love her to death. What? You've done that so many times. I've never put it on the pod, I guess, until now. So, shout out to the, the fiancés. Shout out to the fiancés. I didn't I know. know we were. I didn't know we were going to stray away from the conversation that much. But yeah, seriously. Shout out to JJ. Yeah, JJ Williams. Uh, JJ yeah. Williams over here. JJ Williams. <laughs> John, what you think about what JJ was saying? I lost my train of thought, JJ. Thank you for that. The Hold up. I don't know. I think that it's hard to say what is truth and what's fake because KD, I could completely see him saying something like that, just given his history of being petty. Yes, sir. He's super petty on on social media, on Twitter. He has to comment and respond to <laughs> nobodies. So to me, it's I could totally see him saying that. But then again. He seems really buddy-buddy with a lot of players, so I don't know if it's totally possible that he didn't say that. And Jay Williams is not really somebody that's... He's not up there in, in the, when, you're th- when you think about broadcasters or sports analysts, Jay Williams isn't the first person that comes to mind. Yes, sir. And maybe he's just doing it for clout. I could totally see that, too. If I had to guess, I think there's some truth to that story, but I, I feel like a lot of it is exaggerated and some of it is it's not completely accurate i'll leave it at that yeah what do you think june of course there's like his side and his side and then also the truth right there's three sides and i think there's a little bit of truth in what jay williams is probably saying the conversation probably wasn't as intense as don't ever ever compare me to Giannis. Maybe the conversation was a little more cordial, like in passing. But for KD to straight up say that it was like a lie, kind of (laughs) gives me pause. Like, wait, is this actually truth? Because why are you even wasting your time with with Jay Williams in the first place? Unless we really just think KD's that petty. Like, he's got to attack everybody. Is that where we're at? Like, we we just think KD just, he's going to attack everybody? He has. He's attacked like 12-year-old That's true. Kids. Oh, man. I forgot about... 
I actually forgot that he also had a um. What do you call that when you have like a fake Twitter account? Hold up. A burner, burner account. A burner, burner account. account. <laughs> so maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe Katie is is like that. I don't know, man. But Jay Williams did break like the bro code. Anyway, do you guys have any other takes on this KD J JJ Williams situation? <laughs> Just that uh, our boys over here they love their fiancés, <laughs> putting it on wax. Just because we're not married yet, like JJ is over here. <laughs> Why are you guys embarrassed? I'm not embarrassed. Yeah, yeah John Day. Yeah. For our next segment, we're going to talk about the Clippers versus the Jazz game one. Dude, John, I know you have takes about this game because it has the other LA rival, the Clipser, the Clippers. What did you think of the game one? Well, first of all, they're not arrival to LA so you can you can cut that talk out <laughs> I'm very bitter about it clearly the Lakers being out the game game one man wow that was that was a game I think if I had a few takeaways or one takeaway from the Clippers side you have to point to Paul George and he went four from 17 from the field yeah. as a second guy the second star on that team that can't happen the Clippers lost by three, so clearly yes, if he even shot 40% from the field, they would have won that game. So to me, Pandemic P, Paul, George Paul, whatever you want to call him, Playoff P, he didn't show up. And that's something that, that people are talking about. They've expected it because he hasn't showed up in the playoffs, so he needs to do better. He needs to be better. For the Jazz, I'd say that they they showed up. Donovan Mitchell is... 45 points. He was a star. He, he carried the team with Mike Conley out. And Gobert did his thing at the end of the game with the defense. He was he blocked Marcus Morris yeah. after a pump fake. So he won Defensive Player of the Year, and it showed. So take, I mean, game ones are always kind of a feel-out game. They're, it's early. We'll see what happens. But those are my those are my two takeaways from each team. Yeah, I, I agree. JJ, what do you think? Just to add on to what John was saying, Paul George within the past few games from the three-point line, three out of eight, two out of eight, two out of seven, three out of seven. He was 50% at one of the Mavs games, three out of six, but they were already blowing them out. Two for six, one for seven, and two for eight. So based off these numbers, you know, I'm not a mathematician, but why are you why are you keep shooting threes? Why are you attempting more than seven to eight threes? What? Seven to eight threes a game. I just don't understand that. So the blame does go to him. Like what John said, he's a superstar. Um, in terms of coaching with Tai Lu, why didn't they attack Gorbera? Like he had five fouls. Yeah. You have Paul George and Kawhi that they're good off the dribble. They get to the line. They should have kept attacking the defensive player of the year. So I was astonished that they didn't attack Gorbeer with five fouls. And my last takeaway is that Marcus Morris. June, I know you said after he made that one three. Yes, sir. <laughs> that's probably, you know, a curse, right? Like, a, what was your quote exactly when he made that? 
Oh, I said that it's the worst thing for the clips that Marcus Morris made a, a three in crunch time. Because that means that he's going to have the confidence to take that shot again. And that's not a good shot. <laughs> well, he was one for nine on three-point land. That was the one. And yes, sir. I don't know why you're shooting a three with seconds ending the fourth with a dude that has a seven foot nine seven feet nine inch wingspan right yeah i completely agree i mean there were a lot of weird things that happened on this game um first of all i i want to give credit to the jazz i want to say that i was not a believer i thought that they were supposed to beat down on the on the memphis grizzlies but now that i saw them against the clippers who is a very formidable like defensive team and even formidable offensive team um just donovan mitchell man coming out party in the second round like yes, what do you sir. have like 45 points or something like that and the way that he was scoring around legit defenders and kind of weaving in and out yeah. it was great to see um i think he's got a bright future ahead with the clippers though Ty Lu, like I feel like for the last four or five minutes in the fourth quarter, Kawhi Leonard, there were no plays for Kawhi Leonard. Hold up. Why doesn't this guy have the ball in his hands in crunch time down in the block? Or at least get him ways to attack the basket, get up a shot. He was sort of like in this defer role where we're gonna have Marcus Morris and PG put up shots. It just didn't seem like the right offense against this team or for this team for the clippers it didn't seem like the right offense in crunch time it was just absolutely strange i think that game one isn't something to overreact from i think the clippers have taught us that the last series against the mavs so i think that they still have a chance to bounce back do you guys think that's accurate i do i i also think that it's hard to say how the Jazz are going to be when Mike Conley comes back, which I think right. maybe True. in game three or four. So that kind of changes the entire dynamic. I did want to bring up one last thing before we jump to the next topic is I had no idea that Dwayne Wade had a stake in the Utah Jazz. <laughs> yes, sir. And I don't know whether what I was <laughs> yeah, doing man. when I missed that ESPN article or whether it was on the onion or something, but did you guys you guys know this? Maybe I'm just I'm I'm out of the loop, but I had no idea. JJ? No, I I mean I think I was busy reading books cuz you know me. <laughs> and, I, and, I I I did know it. I I did know it. Um but brag, I brag, humble brag. I think <laughs> I did think it was easy to forget, though. I think it was kind of a funny moment when we were all watching the game together. JJ was all like, Donovan Mitchell reminds me of Dwayne Wade. And then the next cutscene, like, Donovan Mitchell is, like, leaning over, getting advice from Dwayne Wade, which was kind of a, a cool moment. Um, but anyway, uh, we'll see what comes up from Game 2 from that series. The next series we're going to talk about are the Hawks Sixers. Oh. Very interesting. Trey Young seems to be taking the next level, the next step as a superstar. JJ, what do you think of the series? I felt, you know, Doc Rivers proved me wrong. The first game, you had Trey Young go for 35 points, but Danny Green was guarding him. And Danny Green, he's he used to be known for his defense. 
Yeah. John is clenching his teeth right now, so <laughs> he could comment on that later. But game two, you had Ben Simmons on Trey. Harris went off those switches, and then that enabled Embiid to protect the paint, which Trey Young has been dominating oh. with the Knicks and game one of the Sixers. So props yeah. to uh, Doc Rivers. I mean, I've always thought he was kind of overrated. That one Celtics championship with Thibs, I thought Thibs played a huge role with that Celtics team. But uh, the adjustments, which he's not known for, right? He, he did make for game two. Yeah, John. I got to say, the, the Hawks surprised me. They, I don't think I expected them to make it this far, and I didn't think they were going to take one game from Philly in Philly to start the series. I think that the what? they were just overlooked, and because Trey Young was a rookie, we didn't expect him to make noise in the playoffs, but I do want to give credit to a lot of the Hawks supporting cast. Clint Capella is playing... Oh really well john call or collins is playing extremely well oh. he's gonna get well paid in the offseason you have bogdan bogdanovich who's just taking over games and oh. he didn't get a lot of recognition because he was in sacramento and and those cowbells you know how i feel about the king's fans i'm a laker fan what so <laughs> i think i think the Hawks surprised me and yeah. i do think they're gonna lose this series ultimately but i i do think they can win two games maybe even three and surprise us but i honestly wouldn't be shocked if the hawks win the series but i'm picking the sixers and then for the sixers it's just about for me it's about health joel Embiid obviously has to stay healthy and that's been a problem for them not just this season but the last two three years he's always had nicks and he's kind of reminds me of ad he's very fragile he gets injured a lot and hopefully he stays healthy because i think the sixers have a lot of potential yeah, I agree. I think I think the Hawks is a really great story just because they seem like that that up and coming like startup company, you know, with the with the head person being Trey Young, and like you said, he's he's sort of got kind of like a ragtag group of individuals around him who were not that successful elsewhere, but are successful now with Trey Young, yeah. and it's really good to see that this this young superstar is leading this team in the second round against a team in Philly that is very formidable. I mean, their roster is absolutely stacked, especially when you consider the fact that Tobias Harris has taken the next step as that third person behind uh, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. And then you have you have outside shooters, man. I mean, you have Seth Curry, who I think is highly underrated, un- maybe even underutilized. I know we've talked about this before. Yeah. And also Danny Green, he's a, a dog on defense. And, you know, when he's scoring, when he's actually hitting threes, he what? could get hot real fast. So the the team in general in Philly is really deep. I think, of course, I think they're going to win it. But I think it's a good series because Trey Young is making it that way. Um, but moving on to the next series, Suns versus Nuggets. This is probably the, the closest matchup um, on paper. But it seems like things are getting a little out of hand. The game two is going on right now. Um, it seems like the Suns are blowing out the Nuggets. But John, what are what are your thoughts about the series? 
it's a shame because Jamal Murray is is out. He's their second best player, and he True. is an up and coming star. It's, and I I feel like that's been happening with a lot of these series is we've been robbed of the full potential of the competitive nature that we can see because of the injuries. And I know we're gonna talk about that a little later, but it's it's kind of a bummer. I hope that the Nuggets can make it a little competitive in Game Three, Game Four at home. Maybe the weather has something to do with it. I, I know that right now it's <laughs> June in Phoenix. My brother's from Phoenix. I know yeah. it's yeah. You can you can bait you can uh cook an egg on the sidewalk, cook, cook a steak on the sidewalk if you wanted to. That's how hot it gets. It's like 112, 115. So maybe what? maybe the Nuggets just need a little bit of a of a colder environment and higher altitude, something not as dry. So we'll see what happens in Game Three and Game Four, but. It looks like the Suns are, are well on their way to the Western Conference Finals. So, good for them. JJ, what are your thoughts? The Suns, uh, defense wins championships. They're ranked six in terms of defensive uh, efficiency. And in the postseason, they're ranked number one. And I'm not sure if it's because of the matchup, the matchups, but they're playing really great D. And... They're just hitting on all cylinders on offense. Holla, holla. Um, being efficient above 60% shooting for both games. And you could just see that they're more energized. It's kind of sad to see the Nuggets play with like low energy with the, within the last two games. Yeah. And I'm not sure what's, what's the cause of that. Maybe the Blazer series made them tired, but do you think the Blazers would have even had a chance with the Suns, with how the Suns are playing right now? I'm going to say no. I, I don't think so. Um, I think that... I think the Suns are just... They're, they're on another level, man. And I, I think that we don't give enough respect to yeah. DeAndre Ayton as, you know, a not quite a superstar, but a very important piece. Yes, sir! I think he's... He's definitely more than just your average like center. He's good on defense. He's actually like pretty decent on offense. He could catch lobs. He's got good hands. And then you pair up like with Devin Booker, who's been on an absolute tear. I mean, that guy's just efficient as as ever. And I think that that Portland team, yes sir, that defense would have got cooked, dude. What? Absolutely destroyed. And with the Nuggets, um. I think it just sucks that their guards are down. You know, like like John, it's exactly what John was saying. I mean, it sucks that, you know, their their point guard is down and they have to start Facundo Campazzo. What? And I think Will Barton is back now, right? Will Barton is is playing limited minutes. So I guess who who knows what, what will come of that, but I don't think much is gonna come of that. I think the Suns are gonna are gonna handle this pretty pretty well. Um Let's talk about the MVP. Let's talk about Jokic a little bit. He was announced that he's like the official. He's the official MVP now. Everyone kind of assumed that this was going to happen and it did. Yes, sir. Was Jokic deserving of the MVP this year? I'll start with you, John. I think he was. I do think that it shouldn't have been as lopsided as it was. I think he received 91 first place votes and the second person was Steph Curry with five 
and that's a huge discrepancy. I think I think it was a lot closer than the analysts and the pundits and whoever voted thought it was. I think Steph Curry was in the consideration. I thought Joel Embiid, even though he was he didn't play for I think for a little bit. And Jokic. I think because Jamal Murray got hurt and they still the Nuggets were still the was it fifth seed? Fourth seed? Uh they were fifth seed. Fifth seed. And so No fourth remaining, seed. No, fourth seed, you're right. Fourth, fourth seed. seed. Right, right. Fourth seed. Yep. Clippers, yeah, yeah. And staying afloat when their second bus player was out, I think that that's probably what tipped and his stat line. I mean, he was just putting up incredible numbers this season. His shooting percentage his his rebounds, his assists as a big man. He's one of the. He's probably the best passing big man in our game today. True. So taking all of that into consideration, I think, I think he was the clear front runner. I just don't think it was as big a gap as the voting in, implied or showed. Young money, cash money. JJ, what do you think? Well, the Stephen Curry debate. When he was off the floor, the Warriors had a historically terrible offensive efficiency. I think lowest efficiency like within the last five years, what? like bottom five ever. Right. Uh, so it just depends on your en- uh, definition of an MVP. Winning that—that's what it's all about, right? The NBA. So in terms of, I think the mixture of the value that you provide a team, if your team is winning, they had they had to give it to the Joker. Yeah. The the fact that Steph did not make it to the postseason, I think that cut out multiple votes. Holla, holla. Yeah, I agree. Um, I will say that it's impressive that Jokic won this MVP at all, just because the last center to do this was Shaquille O'Neal. Um, that kind of tells you where the league is going. I mean, you could just talk about, you know, in a sea of guards and forwards that this random center rises and wins the MVP. Like, that's pretty incredible. Um, whether or not he's deserving of it, every year there seems to be different, there, there seems to be different criteria, right? And it seemed like the biggest criteria for this year was health. Because this guy produced huge numbers, got his team... John, I was wrong earlier. His, they were actually the third seed. Um, got, got his team to the third seed and then played every single game. He played every game this year. And I think that's why the votes were so lopsided. It's because health was on his side and he produced. It just sucks that like every year we have to figure out like what's the MVP really, right? That's the discussion. What's the MVP really? And I think this year was producing in health. Um, now we're going to move on to, to Coach of the Year. And it was Thibs. Thibs won Coach of the Year. JJ, what did you think of this? If I had to vote, I would put my vote for Monty Williams. Just because last year they won 34 games. And what? this year I think they won about 51 games. So that's almost a... 20 game differential for wins, right? Yeah. But Thibs, I mean, he brought New York back to the postseason. Baby, baby. He made Spike Lee relevant again for the sports world, so. Yeah. That's true. John, what do you think of that? 
I think based on the finalists that we had, so Tom Thibodeau, Monty Williams, Nate McMillian, McMillan, Steve Nash, Quinn Snyder, and Scott Brooks. I think with the talent that he had, Thibs deserved the coach of the year. Oh. Monty Williams has this this of the Suns has Chris Paul, Aiton, Booker. Nate, Nate McMillan has Bogdanovich, Trey Young, Clint Capella, Collins, True. Nash. We don't even have True. to talk about the we don't even have to talk about the Nets. <laughs> <laughs> Quinn Snyder got Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, Ingles. Oh, man. Even yeah. though some there's always some people have different thoughts about Ingles, but Mike Conley, Scott Brooks, he had he has Westbrook and Bradley Beal. Even though they started off slow, they they came back and made the playoffs. So I think you can make a case for Scott Brooks more than any of these other guys, to be honest. But I would have to give it to Thibs just because of the talent on the team is probably the least of every one of the finalists. And I think when you have the least amount of talent, you coaching is more imperative. It's more important because you have to run sets. You have to figure out rotations. You have to know who to play and 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 and. Uh, you know who's guarding who, things like that. So I'm gonna go with Thibs. Yeah, I think that was the right choice. Choice. Can I add one more thing, really quick? Yeah, go for it. Also, most improved player. He coached that dude. Yeah, Julius Randle. That's true. So, yeah, I had to. I have to change my mind. Holla, holla. Yeah, I wow. think. Good job, John. Yeah, <laughs> I think I would. I think I would go with Thibs too. All I right, mean, we can end the we can end the podcast now. I just I just proved JJ right, wrong, and I'm agreeing with you too. Because I paid I pay attention to my friends. Yeah, you know I was. How about you, John? <laughs> I, I I need to work on that. I know I do. <laughs> I was actually leaning towards um towards Nate McMillan, to be honest, at first, just because I thought that. We expected a lot less from from the Hawks, but now that I think of it, we even expected way less of the Knicks, right? And they got home court advantage. Oh. They were the fourth seed, and I think I want to say they were like top five, top eight in defense, something like that. Something that Thibs is like well known for is his defensive coaching, and he got this group to play elite defense. Our D was good tonight. <laughs> Like, not just good defense, elite defense. And you could go across that roster, and you wouldn't think that, right? Like, what guy there consistently gets all defense votes? I can't name one. True. Right? Yeah, that's a good point. So, it it has to go to Thibs. I think it had to go to Thibs, and, you know, congratulations to him. Um, It's well-deserved. Definitely well-deserved. ESPN had a article recently talking about NBA injuries in a condensed season. John, do you want to talk about this a little bit? Like what, what the data had showed and what your general thoughts are about this? Yeah, I think it's just, well, in a nutshell, that they did they did research and the data showed that this season, 2021-2022, had the most soft tissue injuries of any season in years past. And so to me, that's not really a coincidence. We had a, they had to condense the season because it started late. Uh, And that's due to to COVID and the bubble 
and just scheduling. But on top of that, they had the shortest offseason ever in the history of the NBA, which was just over a month. So you have to realize that these guys are grueling out a season and playing 70, 80 plus games. And then you have the playoffs and you're you're confined in a bubble out in Orlando, not seeing your family, your friends until later in the playoffs. If you make it that far, then you go back home, you spend you try to decompress but then you have to grind right back into it. And it's not, you don't get a month. You don't get the, the time that you have off isn't the full off season. Cause, because you have, if you're an athlete, you understand that you have to start your regiment like two weeks before the season starts or even three weeks. So you're really only getting a week or two off. So to me, I think that the data is, is clearly showing that the, the data and what, you know, what transpired in terms of the off season, in terms of the bubble, that those correlate and hopefully next season when we have a full three months off this doesn't happen it's, it's been happening to and one other thing i wanted to point out is that it's happening to all of the stars in the league it's not just role players it's these guys that are the reason why people go to the nba the games in person the piece the, the reason why people watch it on tv is because of lebron james of anthony davis of because of Donovan Mitchell, of Jam- because of Jamal Murray, all of these guys, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and so when one of them gets hurt, it's a huge blow to the NBA. It's a huge blow to the fans. So hopefully next year that that changes. Yeah, JJ, what did you think about this? Yeah, I think John pretty much touched on everything that needed to be said. I know the old school generation, the OGs, they always complain like. We played back-to-backs all the time. But today's athlete, they're just different. The game is different. And I'm glad that Adam Silver, he's not like David Stern where he's willing to adapt in order for the sport to become better. Like the play-in tournament, right? Yeah. But you got to protect your most valuable asset. And the most valuable asset are your star players. Yeah, I like, agree. What, what are the NBA? What's the, what are the playoffs without your your superstars? Without LeBron? Without Curry? Without the Knicks? Without the Heat? I mean, they had injuries too, but specifically like those superstars, right? To answer your yeah. question, it's what is it? It's the NBA D League. <laughs> that's true yeah but yeah there, there's been a bunch of injuries i mean james harden is currently down right now joem joel Embiid had like a, a knee scare i know that's not new to joel Embiid and injuries but still i mean the shortened season has to have something to do with that as well um and then you know anthony davis i mean the list goes on for the superstars that have gone down um during this season and something that was like super interesting when I was reading this article it was basically talking about how how the average number of players that have been sidelined per game due to injury um this season is 5.1 and that is the highest of out of any season and the next highest season was 4.8 which was you know five percent which this year is it was five percent higher than that and you have to think it's because of the shortened season and Steve Kerr in the article was actually talking about how not just the physical part was exhausting for for this year but also the the emotional part because of the all the 
the COVID protocols. He said um, in another interview, usually when you go into the stadium, you're you're shaking hands with people as you're walking in and you're talking to, to staff, you're talking to people like in the Warriors crew, etc. But there's actually no emotional connection anymore because they're limiting, you know, how much they're they're in contact with just people in general. So not only are these players and coaches exhausted physically, but they're also exhausted mentally. And, you know, I can't wait until the world is safe enough for us to just get back to normal and also for the league to get back to normal so we could see these superstars back on the floor because who would have known what this season would have brought if all of our superstars were healthy for the whole season, right? I think that's that's the truth, man. Amen. Yeah, I think that's pretty much like what we're concluding with is that, um, man, this season has been weird. I mean, it's been good good for disparity, but it's been absolutely weird. Um, anything else you guys want to touch on? No, like I hope, you know, there are good signs that the pandemic is coming to an end. And like just what both of you were saying that the interactions between players and fans, it's kind of been weird, but... Hopefully we get more interactions so we could get stories with Jay Williams and KD again. <laughs> True. I did not say that. <laughs> Don't you ever. <laughs> yeah, well, that, I agree. Yeah. As long as we, if we get back to some level of normalcy or at least full normalcy, that would be awesome, man. To see the full breadth of fans, even though we're kind of seeing that already, but everybody shaking hands, giving high fives whatever it is and and not really worrying about catching a a disease or a virus or something that you know could potentially affect your life but like jj said as long as we can still get great stories like kd and jj williams in the in in our lives i think we'll be okay that's a good definitely be okay it'll definitely be okay but yeah that's that's a Till next episode, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know that—that that is all for this episode. Um, of course, we are the Clinic All NBA Podcast. Come find us wherever you get your podcasts.